Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. He doesn't go to them after the first servant comes and says, I got nothing, they gave me nothing. He doesn't go to them and say, I'm taking the land back. No more opportunities for you. I'm not offering you anything else. He doesn't do that. He's very patient with them. He doesn't come and punish them. But notice, he's persistent. He doesn't come and take the land away. In fact, he doesn't do that. He just keeps what? Sending more and more and more and more prophets saying, Okay, get right with God. When kids are little, they're constantly pushing boundaries, testing their parents, seeing what they can get away with. Parents don't just throw up their hands saying, well, that's a loss. I guess I'll find another kid. No, they keep trying to bring the child to an understanding about where that rebelliousness comes from and to repentance. God has done the same with his people throughout history. He watches them fall away and then reaches out his hand to try and bring them back. Even after repeated rejections, he is patient. Our country also continually rejects the Lord's offer of salvation. Eventually, his hand will withdraw and his offers stop coming. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 1. For part one of our message entitled, God's Offers and Man's Opportunities. Here's six ways of knowing maybe you've joined the wrong church. The pastor, number one, refers to God as Jehovah and constantly exhorts the congregation to witness. Some of you know Jehovah's Witness, all right, not many. Number two reason you may have joined the church that you're into might be the wrong church. New members are required to submit W-2s for the last 10 years. <laughs> I like that one. Number three, another reason you might be in the wrong church is the pastor regularly attends meetings only at Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Fourth reason that you might be in the wrong church is the news media constantly refers to your church facilities as a compound. <laughs> Number five, you discover the church refers to the Ten Commandments as the Ten Suggestions. Could be in the wrong church. And the last one this morning, you might be in the wrong church if the woman's quartet are all married to the pastor. <laughs> We're going to see today, as you look at Mark chapter 1, that Jesus turns to his, the Jewish rabbis and he says, you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong place. You need to change what's happening in your life. Now, as we open this passage of Scripture of God's offers and opportunities in chapter 12, Jesus is continuing his struggle with the Jewish religious leadership. He's been clashing with them for his whole three years of ministry, but in his last few days on earth, and this is where we're at in Mark 12, this is the last few days on earth, 
he is really struggling to share with them the truth of God's love. What we see in the first 12 verses is what we're going to study is a parable. And basically a parable is usually given to give you one snapshot of a truth that moves you emotionally before you leave. But I want to give you five keys this morning. Five truths to apply as we go through this familiar picture. Now, this parable will be a picture that you fit into and I fit into. Every single person will fit into it. Let's look at verse 1. He then began to speak to them in parables. And he said this, A man planted a vineyard, and he put a wall around it, and he dug a pit for the wine press, and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. Now the background of this is not too different than you and I might be used to. The background of this is an area where what happened is in Israel there was lots of pieces of property and rich owners would own the property but they didn't want to farm it. So they would rent out the property to somebody who could come in and farm the land. This is exactly what happened. Now in studying this, Jesus is speaking to these religious leaders, these chief priests, the teachers of the law, and they often themselves owned a piece of property. And they would then know the feeling of this story. So Jesus knows there's going to be some feelings that are going to get involved in their story. Now, you might write this passage of scripture down, we won't go there today. But in Isaiah chapter 5, well, we'll go to Isaiah later on, but not this passage. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, is a very similar parable to the 12 verses we're going to read here. Almost identical. And the Jewish leaders knew of this story in the Old Testament. So as they go through this, it's beginning to make sense to them as they go through verse by verse. Now anytime you have a parable, you need to understand the characters. Kind of like when you go into a play... Somebody will say, here's who's playing what and what water. Let's go through it. So write down this morning the characters so you'll understand the parable when we go through. The owner of the vineyard. The owner of the vineyard is God. The vineyard itself is the nation of Israel. The farmers that are tending to the vineyard, the farmers, are the Jewish religious leaders, the ones Jesus is talking to. That's the farmers, the ones that are taking care of it. The servants that you're going to picture in this parable, the servants, are Old Testament prophets that have come to speak to Israel. They're Old Testament prophets that have come to speak to Israel. The son is an easy one. The son is the son. It's Jesus. And the others, this is a strange one, Others, in quotes. Others are going to be someone who the vineyard owner transfers the vineyard to after the Jewish leaders fail in the crop. Those others are you and me this morning. Believers. Christian believers. Could be Jew, could be Gentile, but Christian believers. Now, when you go through this, you're going to understand as we go through this that this parable applies to you, not just to the nation of Israel. And that this is going to be transferred to you as a Christian this morning. So you're there. If you're an unbeliever, if you're not a Christian this morning, it will be transferred to you. You'll see the purpose of this parable. So everybody can fit 
in this particular passage this morning. Let's start with the first of the five keys that I'm going to give you. The first one is the goodness, the goodness of God. Look back in verse 1. It says that a man planted a vineyard, he put a wall around it, he dug up wine, a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. So what that says is that God gave Israel a great vineyard. And when he gave them a vineyard, he was looking from that vineyard to have some fruit. He gave them everything the nation of Israel needed to produce fruit. Now, what was the fruit that God wanted from Israel? Here's what it was. He wanted them, in the long term, first of all, to be a godly nation. A nation that would say to the people who basically were pagans in those days, the world was basically pagan, multi-gods, to say to them, there is one true God and it's God Jehovah. That's the first thing he wanted to get across to them. The second thing, through the nation of Israel, was to come the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world. That was the purpose of the nation of Israel. Because, see, the world not only needed to know that there was a God, the world needed to know that there was a Savior, and it was Jesus Christ. So, if you want to look at the big picture, here was the big picture for the nation of Israel. They were to be the evangelists of the whole world, speaking to the whole world about Jesus Christ. Early on about God, but then about Jesus Christ. That was their role. So God gave them as a nation everything they needed. He gave them a piece of property. He gave them the land. Notice here he gave them protection. He gave them provision. He gave them everything they needed. Has God given you and I this morning everything we need to evangelize the world as a Christian? He certainly has. He's given us His Word. He's given us His presence. He's given us His power through the person of the Holy Spirit. And certainly He's given us protection. So we'll see that this is the goodness of God. God loves to give good things. Look at verse 2. Now at harvest time, He sent a servant to the tenants, or to the farmers, to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. Now, if you plant a vineyard, it usually take maybe five years, and the, the vineyard in those days basically was grapes, and out of that would come wine. The Jewish leaders knew that. That's the thing that was popular in the, in the area of Israel at that day. So after about three or four or five years, the vines would grow up enough that the owner could come back, and he would say to, to basically the farmers, okay, I want some grapes. I want some wine. I want a part of the profits. Would you think that's fair? So what, what you see here is Israel saying, do you mean we're supposed to be producing something for you? Well, God's saying yes. Holiness, and you're supposed to be producing uh, thanksgiving, and you're supposed to be serving me, and you're supposed to be a loving nation, and you're supposed to be a holy nation representing me. It's a fair thing to ask. So the, the owner, and who is the owner of the land? Yeah, good, good. Goes to the servants who are the people working there. The Old Testament prophets are there. You're going to see him step right into the picture. And he's going to go to the farmers and say to the farmers, Hey, what have you been doing? And who were the farmers? Israel, the people of Israel. Actually, the Jewish leaders here. So God goes to them and he says, Where's my prophet? 
Where's the things? Where's the, the harvest that I want? That brings us to point number two, the patience and persistence of God. The patience and persistence of God. Look at verse 3. But they seized him, this servant that he sent, and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. So when the servant, which was an Old Testament prophet in this parable, goes to the nation of Israel and says, I've come to see if you're serving God, if you're truly godly people. What did they give him? They gave him nothing. They beat him. It says there, they seized him, they beat him, and he went back to God with what? Nothing. In other words, there's nothing being produced in that area. Look at verse 4. Well, if you're the owner of land, and you send somebody after you've given them the land for five years, and they're raising a great vineyard, how would you feel if they come back with no grapes or wine? Would you be a little teed off? Come on, be real people, I know you. Sure you would be. You'd be teed off. Well, look what happens. Look at verse 4. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head, treated him shamefully. Now how are you feeling? Is it getting better or worse? It's getting worse. Look at verse 5. Well, he sent still another. And that one they killed. Now how are you feeling? Really angry. I mean, there's no reason for this kind of treatment. But look on. He sent many others. Some of them they beat. Others they killed. So in spite of mistreatment, the owner, who is who? God, acts totally different than you and I would as owners. He's very patient with these people. He's patient with the farmers. He doesn't go to them after the first servant comes and says, I got nothing, they gave me nothing. He doesn't go to them and say, I'm taking the land back. No more opportunities for you. I'm not offering you anything else. He doesn't do that. He's very patient with them. He doesn't come and punish them. But notice, he's persistent. He doesn't come and take the land away. In fact, he doesn't do that. He just keeps what? Sending more and more and more and more prophets saying, okay, get right with God. Be good. Come back to me. Be the kind of people I want to be. He's very, very persistent. The reason? He wanted sinful Israel to become repentant and come back and serve God. So in spite of God's patience and persistence, we see that the treatment of every servant gets what? Worse and worse and worse. Brings us to our third point this morning. Your third note is this. The rebellion and disobedience of man. The rebellion and disobedience of man. Now the Jews, the leaders that Jesus is speaking to, they're well aware of where he's going now. They knew this as a nation of Israel was their historical pattern. Throughout the whole history of Israel, God kept sending time and time again his prophets, trying to get the spiritual leaders to repent of their evil ways, to turn away from their idols, 
and once again follow God. Listen as I read from one of these prophets in the Old Testament, an actual true story. Jeremiah, his assessment of the day of rebellion and disobedience of the Jewish leadership at that time. Listen to it. This is from the book of Jeremiah. From the time your forefathers left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their forefathers. So this is a historical pattern that was happening again and again and again in the nation of Israel. We want to go back and take a snapshot of one of the prophets and what really happened to him. So take your finger and hold it right there in the book of Mark. And let's flip back to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Take your Bibles and flip back to the book of Isaiah. Let me give you a little history of Isaiah as we go there. Isaiah was a prophet of God sent to call the nation and the leaders back to God. His book was written his book was written in the year of 700 BC. How many were awake then? No. Isaiah's name is this. Here's what it means. The Lord is salvation. Great name. And he came to the nation of Israel, as if he would have come today to the nation of America, to point out the shortcomings of the people. You see, they had persisted in sinful ways. And God was sending a prophet, just like our parable, to wake them up. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1. Chapter 1, we'll start in verse 2. Here's what Isaiah actually says to them as he goes through. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. This is a key you need to understand. When God sends a prophet, it is not the prophet's message that he's bringing. It's God's message. When we go through 1 Kings tonight, 14 through 16, you will see God speaking to the people through circumstances over and over and over again. This isn't people speaking. As I'm speaking to you this morning, I'm not really speaking to you. God's Word is speaking to you. That's what you want to always look for in a church, that God's Word is taught. If you want to know if there's churches where God's Word isn't taught, let me say to you, yes, many. So notice, Isaiah says, I'm coming from the Word of the Lord. It isn't my message, it's from God. And here's what he says. God says, I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Now the ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manager, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. You know what God says there? He says the animals are smarter than the people. He says Israel, and you can take yourself as Israel this morning, God's children. God's children don't even know who their father is. It's God. They're ignoring me. But the animals, they know who puts them to sleep. They know who puts the food out. By the way, who gave you the ability to work this morning? It's God. Your owner. The one that created you. So here we have a great picture of the animals being smarter than man. Look at verse 4. Ah, sinful nation. A people loaded with guilt. 
a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. By the way, could that be spoken to our country? Look, look at that verse. Children given to corruption. Do we have that problem in our country today? Unbelievable. They have forsaken the Lord. They have taken the Bible out of the schools. That's basically what I'm saying to you. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and they've turned their backs on Him. Skip down to verse 11. Now remember in those days, the way you worshiped God was to bring sacrifices, animal sacrifices. That's the way you worshiped God. So what does God say to them? Well, the multitude of your sacrifices, in other words, the many that you bring, what are they to me? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. You wonder what God really thinks? Whew. He's not leaving it out, isn't he? Can you imagine Isaiah saying this? And then he says this, New moon, Sabbath, convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. What is God saying? Do away with sacrifices? No. He says this, Your worship is totally useless. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why are you talking about that? What does it have to do with us today? Hello. When you come to church, when we sing, when we worship, are you worshiping? Well, I'm singing the songs. That's not what I ask. Are you worshiping? Is your heart here? Some of you never even get here for worship, number one. Secondly, when you come, your mind is a million miles from here. Why? Because that's what Satan wants your mind. He doesn't want you to worship. So Isaiah comes to these people. And notice all the things he says to them. Quit bringing me all these offerings. So he said, well, I put a 20 spot in there. What do you want? Man, come on. God says, I don't care about your 20 spot. I want to see if your heart's into it. And then he says, all these new holidays you come to me. And you come and worship on this day and that day. Some of you worship God Christmas and Easter. Hey, I'm doing the thing. God says, I don't care about the thing. So it can be spoken to our country this morning, exactly the same thing. Then he goes on and he just says basically this. Your worship is to be a seven-day-a-week experience. You see, serving God is not about an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Serving God is about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Isaiah is saying to the people, your ritual means nothing to me. You say, well, I've done my duty for the week. If that's what you've done, it's useless to God because it has to come from our heart. Now, does it affect them anymore? You got gotcha. it. Look at verse 15. When you spread out your hands in prayer, what will God do when you offer prayers? Well, God says, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Why? Your hands are full of blood. Today in our message from Mark chapter 12, we saw a picture of God's persistence, even in the face of rejection. We saw how the corruption of the Israelites mirrors the same sinfulness of our country today. 
Pastor Mark asked us to consider our hearts when we come to worship. Is it open to the Lord or are you just going through the motions? Serving God is about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues to examine the situations in Scripture where people have been warned about their sinful behavior but still offered grace by the Lord. God still offers to wash away the most scarlet of sins. We'll hear how Jesus tells the Jewish leaders about his impending death through the parable of the man with the vineyard who will send his son to collect his debt. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.